kick kick. Good morning, Cornerstone family. Hey, come on in. Come on in and sit down. Find a seat. Kiddos, come sit down, sit with your families. Man, I already got a glory story for you, so come on in. You got it. You got it. <laughs> we, we are standing on holy ground this morning, and I cannot wait to tell you about it. Come on in. Come on in. I want everybody to hear, so I want your attention. Eyes on me. Come on in. Come sit down. I know I'm being kind of brutish here. Seriously, come in and sit down. Josh Edwards, what are you doing here? I, th I thought you were going to be here. Hey, dude, come up here. Cause don't leave because I got God's doing something amazing. Are you leaving? Don't leave. you got to wait first three minutes. Just wait three minutes. Hey, seriously, beautiful bride of mine, Heather Sidler, please come sit down. This is an awesome story. Seriously. All right, hey, all right, I'm going to start. Guys, I was already excited to, to lead prayer this morning. So that's what we're going to start doing. We're already five minutes late. But literally, just as I was about to start, I had this awesome plan. I felt like I was up in the Lord's, or I was reading the word this morning, and I felt the Lord lead me to a place where I was like, oh my God, goodness, this is perfect. I'm going to start with this. And I was just about to start, and Frank said, hey, can you hold on two minutes? I got to go to the bathroom. So he ran to the bathroom. And then Doug came over and, and started talking to Sean, and he goes, hey, um, Sean, I want to tell you, I'm going to end service with 103. Three minutes before that, I had told Sean, hey, I'm starting with Psalm 103 this morning. So we literally stopped everything. We're like, let's just praise God and, and tell him how awesome he is. So my point is, the Lord is doing something amazing this morning. I cannot wait to join him in what he's doing and see what he's going to do uh, to, to for for us, to, we're, we're, we're going to give him glory because we're going to see him. And I'm crazy excited about that. So I'm going to open by reading Psalm 103, okay? <clears throat> Psalm 103 goes like this. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all our iniquity, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you his mighty ones who do his word. Obey the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers, and who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So this morning, we're going to start by taking five minutes to prepare our hearts. What the Lord put on my heart this morning is to get a clear view of who we are, okay? I want us to spend, if you brought a pain in here, I want you to think about it. If there's something this week that you've been struggling with, a sin that you've been carrying, I want you to think about it. And I want, we have we have cards on all of your tables. Uh, we, we place our sins on the cross because they've been paid for. So I want you to give it to the Lord. So when you think about it, I want you to think about it differently. I want you to think about whatever it is that the Lord's allowed in your life or is confronting in your life. I want you to get real with it. And I want you to see it through your creator's eyes. This is a time where um, you are probably going to have to bend your knee. And you are, you are going to have to humble yourself. Because we are dust. That's who we are. So when we are approaching the throne, I just want to have a clear view of humbling. Just have an opportunity to be real before the Lord. Be honest with the Lord. That's what he wants you to be. That's what he wants you to do. So take some time this morning. We're going to take five minutes. It's going to feel like a long time. But take the opportunity to get real with Jesus. Give him what you've been reluctant to give him. The thing, the voice that you've heard, you've kind of been putting off, address it. If you have a sin with your brother, if you have a been mad at or maybe a family member maybe God is allowing that for you to cry out to him okay so I want you to see it as an opportunity to approach your creator and call out to him
So let's take five minutes to get real with the Lord.
Just now, lift our souls to heaven. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Lord, you are a good and faithful, steadfast, loving Father. <clears throat> and I was reminded this morning that sometimes I, uh, I blame, I give the devil too much credit. And I feel like I'll, I'll text my friends and I say, man, pray for me because I am under spiritual attack. And I need to stop thinking about it like that. I need to be way more proactive in thinking that um, when I'm joining you, it's not being, I'm not being attacked by the enemy. He's just resisting your attack. Lord, you are bringing light to your communities. You are doing work. When I'm joining you, we are on the attack. And he's trying to resist the best he can. <clears throat> Nothing is out of your control. You are mighty and you are amazing. So now what I want to do Amen. So now what I want to do is remember who our God is. So we're going to open up the opportunity for a, from child to grandpa. If you want to pray, if you want to thank God for what he's done, if there's something that he's been doing this week, even if it's a struggle that you're grateful for at this point, uh, the rest of us would be encouraged. If God gives you a psalm or if he gives you something to pray or if you just want to say thank you, I want to spend the next five to ten minutes worshiping our, our God, worshiping our creator. So the first five minutes remembering who we are, but now I want to take the next five to ten minutes remembering our king, remembering the character of who our God is. Just raise your hand and I will bring you the microphone. want to give praise and testimony of who God is and how he moved this week because he loves so much. Last Saturday, I was worshiping to a song called Name of Jesus, and he gave me a vision of four of us with one, her name is Bree, who has been ex experiencing extreme pain up to like a 12 
in her shoulder for six months, and the doctors could find nothing wrong, and she felt hopeless, which is not like her because she has a deep faith. Well, that vision came true on Wednesday, and I have to give God complete praise and glory because we saw the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit fall and move in very specific ways amongst the four of us. As the three of us laid hands on Bree, and God had been speaking into Cheryl that this was not physical, it was spiritual, it was for someone else who was experiencing extreme pain or hopelessness, and that Bree needed to pray and ask God, who is this person? So, as we prayed one-on-one, -on -one, or one, at a one time at a time praying and laying hands, the other three were very quietly praying in their prayer languages and tongues, and the Holy Spirit spoke so closely and clearly through us. And at one point, it was my turn to pray. And he said, look at the clock. At 2.20 on Wednesday, September 16th, 19, or 2020, in the name of Jesus, pain be gone. And Bree said every time any of us mentioned the word spiritual, her arm was firing. And I asked her, what's her pain level like now? And she said, the pain is shooting down my arm, but she was moving her shoulder, which she had not done in six months. And the Holy Spirit very clearly said, pray again. And I prayed again. And it isn't me. It's him praying through me, his power, his fire. And it moved into just her hands. And we prayed one more time, and it was just her fingers. And we prayed one more time, and she was completely healed. And so all I can say is thank you, Holy and Victorious Trinity, for your love for Bree. That completely changed us that day. And you confirmed Acts 4.30. When we extend our hands, you are the one who heals in your power and in your name. And so, Father God, I thank you for that, the way you have revealed your character, who you are, and how you clearly showed us each specific things that we would never have known before we got in my car. And to see the joy on Bree's face, to know after six months of dealing with pain that was so strong, she wanted her arm amputated. She could not handle one more day to set her free and realize there's a reason for what she walked through. And you're not done with that story. You have someone else in mind who needs to know they don't need to live in hopelessness. You are the hope. You are living hope. And so, Father, I just praise you and thank you for the way you move. In your name, amen. So I wanted to just give a little of an update. About a month ago, I walked up in front and asked for prayer for my family. Um, they were making end-of-life preparations for my aunt. Um, 
So I walked up front. Daniel and some of the others came up and prayed. And Daniel prayed for healing. And I'm thinking as he's praying, not healing, I need you to help the family make some really tough decisions. Well, later that week, they found a surgeon who said they could do surgery. She has a brain tumor or had a brain tumor. Through fighting with insurance for almost two weeks, they finally found a surgeon who gave her two options. Um, one of them was the brain, the, the tumor was right in the front of a part of her head, right, in, right above your eyes in the front part. The option she chose was to have part of her skull removed and let them do the surgery. Um, prognosis at that point they thought would be good. Um, she would spend about a week in the hospital and another 30 days in rehab. And the doctor thought she could live a long life for another eight to nine years. She's currently 77. Well, the Tuesday after Labor Day, she had surgery. On Friday, that same week, so three to four days later, she went home. She didn't spend a week in the hospital. She didn't go to 30 days to rehab. She was able to talk the day after the surgery. In order for her to go home, she was able to walk, and she was able to bathe herself. So thanks for the prayers. Um, she's healing. She's got still a long road to recovery, but... From a month ago when we were trying to make end of life preparations to a much different outcome today. So praise God. Praise the Lord. I just want to give God glory now for how amazing he is in that it's the same God that Moses called upon to part the Red Sea, and it's the same God that Elijah called upon to bring fire from the heavens, is the same God that can, at his choosing, interfere in our lives in any way he chooses, because it's his to do. And yet, how beautiful is God, because he gives us each other. He gives us relationships to refine all the struggles. And when I think about how amazing God is, I think about some of these trials and some of the services and some of the, I was with a brother working through a situation last week and then situations all week of trials and tribulations and things that God can just easily handle. He allows other people in our lives to work through for his glory. So as Daniel was praying Psalm 103, I was thinking in verse 10, it says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. And we don't get that fear of him until we see how great he is in light of that around us. God uses the trials. He's used it in my life this week. And he uses the people in his kingdom around the world to strengthen one another when we don't think we need it. And even as Daniel and I were talking earlier about just how do you multiply what's in front of us? How do we, how do we hold on tightly so that we can let go of things? 
It's, it's all because Christ did it. And so I give glory to God in that. Yeah, I feel like the Lord's challenging me right now to dare you guys to believe. Because uh, these are awesome stories of an awesome God, but it's very easy for me to say, yeah, but what about me? Yeah, but you don't know what I'm facing. Yeah, but uh, it's me. Like the reality of when it, when it comes to my problem or when it comes to my sin or when it comes to whatever it is that I'm facing, my giants are big. <clears throat> it's the same God that Jeff was just saying. It's the same God that, called, that Elijah was able to call fire from the sky. God did that to reveal himself. He did that to bring glory to himself. He did that to show people how strong and how mighty he is for his glory, for his kingdom, for his sake. The giant that's in your life is for the exact same reason. I'm asking you to dare to believe. So I don't know who you are, and I'm talking to myself right now. Like maybe I'm the guy. I am. I'm the guy. <clears throat> but I want to dare you to believe. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you right now, whoever you are. Uh, and if it, I want you, I, join with me in this prayer, okay? Lord, uh, we are all are this guy, and I am chief among it. I don't know how many times I've seen you provide for my family, and how many times I've seen you. Uh, heal and how many times but we are leaky people and I, I you know I, I read about your people Israel and I so I knock my head against it going guys he was giving you manna every day how could you doubt and Lord I doubt I, I see you doing it for my family I see you doing it for people in my church we have awesome testimonies of where you've moved and I still find a way to, to go when it comes to me I just don't know so, Lord, I pray that this morning, whatever it is we brought in here, uh, whatever it is that you are allowing in our lives, I pray that you would whisper, Holy Spirit, that you would fall in this place, that you would touch the hearts, and that you would say, uh, we would hear you say, I love you, you're mine, and I want you to give it to me. And, Lord, I pray for the people that I pray that you would move on the hearts, you would soften them, and that you would, uh, you would encourage them uh, to let it go, to believe that you are awesome, that you are still the faithful God, that you are still loving, you are still overwhelming, and you're waiting to overwhelm them with, with your character. In Jesus, in your mighty name, amen. If that's you, I also feel like you guys are surrounded by family at your table. If that's you, I'm going to give you guys two or three minutes. Just tell the people around you you want to be prayed for. And then I want you guys to pray for one another.
living God, Spirit of the living God. We only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God. We want to know you more and more. We're hanging on every Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice, we're hanging on every word, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more, we're hanging on When you speak, and when you move, and when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see, and what we seek, and when you come to the room, and when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see, and what we
John 8, 1 to 11, says this. They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing, in, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commands us, commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to remember who you are because when we do that it becomes painfully obvious who we are so Lord I pray that you would expose in us what offends you what would stand against you and then remind us that it's your mercy and grace that sets us free from that Father just remember help us remember who you are Give us a hunger for your word. Give us a passion and a fire in our hearts to know you and then move and reach our communities with your gospel, with your good truth, Father. Because there are hurting people that need to know it. And not us only, Lord, not just uh, people in this room, but also um, there are so many, there are so many good truth-bearing, gospel-speaking, preaching churches, and I want to lift them up, Lord. I want to, uh, the ones that come to mind are, are Redemption, City View, West Valley, Wellspring, Bethany Bible, Calvary, CCV, Skyway, Refuge. Uh, these are all West Valley churches that I know of, Lord, that have a heart to, to see the West Valley uh, changed by your grace and changed by your story that you've been telling since the beginning. And so, Lord, I pray that you would empower them 
that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit to be bold and to be brave, to stop listening to lies, and to believe the truth, to daringly believe you are who you say that you are, and you've done what you said you're going to do, and you've left us with a promise that you're going to return. Lord, I pray that we would live every day, every minute, every step that we take, believing that truth with our whole hearts. And Lord, I want to extend that out further than just the West Valley, but all of Arizona and all of the United States and all of the globe. Lord, I'm thinking of places in, in, um, in Africa, um, Balimbu, the, the, or for the work that you're doing through your people in Africa. That's, that's a powerful story that you're telling, Lord. I, I want to pray that you would, you would continue to move your gospel forward through those orphans and make mighty warriors out of them to reach their impact or reach their communities, Lord. Oh, and in, uh, there's, uh, there's orphans in India. Uh, Lord, I want to pray that you would, you would empower your people there, encourage your church there, and the persecuted church. Lord, I would pray that you would burden our hearts to remember to be praying for them. Uh, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for this Sunday where we get to gather as your people and get a small glimpse into what our eternity is going to look like when we we realize we've all been adopted into your family. So as brothers and sisters, Lord, I pray that we would extend mercy and grace to one another in such a profound way that the rest of the world would know that we are followers of you. Jesus, you are my mighty, mighty Savior. Amen. Trust what you say that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside, I give you my life. I need you. Oh!
flesh may fail the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it in the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, and does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Let us 
Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to to Nineveh, a city so large it would take three days to see it all. The day Jonah entered the 
city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on a burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes and dressed himself in a burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. The king and his nobles set out a decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. And people and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Great job, Riley. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I love that we are a people of the word, and I love that our children are children of the word, and I love hearing their voices read his word. It's an amazing thing. So thank you, Riley, for being willing to do that. They say public speaking is, uh, the lar- is, is I think, next second only to death in fear, right? And so our, our children are braver than most of the adults in this room. Um, but I'll just leave that there for now. As you guys are getting situated and getting your Bibles out and you're finding Jonah, I want to ask, I just want to make a statement and I want to see what it brings to mind. There are people in the world that do not deserve the grace of God. There are people in the world that do not deserve the grace of God and they are, I see a few hands going up. That's a good thing. But, but let's step back for a second and just be really honest. When I say something like there are some people in the world, a people group, an individual person, a politician, whatever it is, that do not deserve the grace of God, they are who comes to mind. Right? Because, because if it isn't us, and from that place, then his grace flows out of us, we are, is what, we're, what we're seeing in Jonah is this is not a problem about a rebellious prophet. This is a, this is a description of the human condition. And, and yes, I, I, I know that I am not deserving of the grace of God. But I also know that I am not beyond looking at people that are not like me, that don't think the way I think, that, don't, that maybe look the way I look and go, but you know what, they don't deserve the grace of God. Like, as in, I don't think I even want to share it with them, and I hope God just really gets them, whoever they are. That is Jonah's heart, even after all he's been through in the first two chapters we've seen. But it's hard to blame him, right? Nineveh was a wicked city. These are the people that invented crucifixion. They were, they were literally world-renowned in, that, in, their, in what was their part of the world then as the world superpower for being incredibly cruel. So it's easy to sort of go, yeah, maybe, maybe God should get those people, right? And so, so I don't want to pick on him too much, but I also want to remind us that this, mess, this, this book, these four short chapters that we're actually spending six weeks in, it's not a fish story. And it's not even a story about what happens to us when we're disobedient and, the, and how we are supposed to be obedient. We're not really going to get to the meat of the story until next week, Lord willing. We're gonna, we, we spent about a week in each of, well, we spent a week in each of the first three chapters. Today we're in chapter three. We're going to complete the whole chapter today, Lord willing. 
But we're going to then spend three weeks in chapter 4. Because chapter 4 is really why this story is in the Bible. Because remember, I've said this the last couple weeks. What we always want to ask when we're in Scripture, whether it's Jonah or anywhere, is why is this in the Bible? Why did God see it see fit to have this word inspired and preserved for his people for all time? And the answer is because it is a story about the pursuing, unrelenting grace of God. And how he wants to use even hard-hearted, rebellious people to share that story. That's why this book is in the Bible, and that's why he has what he has for us this morning. So today's message is called, Caught, Convicted, and Converted by a God Who Cares. Caught, Convicted, and Converted by a God Who Cares. And the question we're going to try to look at, we're going to look at today is, what's it take to see a soul converted? And I said we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3. Um, today we're going to get through the, the, the 10 verses of chapter 3. And, and Jonah is going to show us that what it takes to see a soul converted is an opportunity is offered that leads to conviction, that, or that, that, that brings conviction leading to repentance that is all made possible by the mercy and grace of God. We're going to get to the end. Remember, God is the focus of this little book. In these four short chapters, it's not just four chapters, it's four short chapters, God is mentioned 38 times. We haven't, we're not going to hear about a fish at all after the first verse I'm going to read today. It's not about a fish. It's not even really about Jonah. It's not about us. It's about God and the story he's telling. So let's pick it up in our first point in Jonah 3. I'm actually going to start in verse 10 of chapter 2. An opportunity is offered. So here's how the opportunity is offered. It says, then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah into the dry, onto the dry land. Now chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim it to the, proclaim it, the, proclaim to it the proclamation that I am going to tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city of three days walk. So I want to, I want to back up a step. And, and, and turn, if you would, back to chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh. Chapter, verse 3. But Jonah rose and fled to Tarshish. Now we know what happened last week. The big fish comes, the whole, that whole thing. If you, if you missed it, you can go check those messages out online. Now let's pick it up back in chapter 3 again. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Arise, go to, same word, arise, go to Nineveh. Look at Jonah's response this time. So Jonah rose and went. Now, like I said, the way I've always taught this is see, if God wants you to go to Nineveh, you're going to Nineveh. Now, there is certainly truth to that. But the reality is, what God didn't need Jonah to go to Nineveh. He could have sent anyone. He could have sent Elisha who had twice the power of Elijah, who called fire down on Mount Carmel. It would have been a much better message if Elisha had gone. I am convinced of that. But God didn't need... God is interested in Jonah. God is pursuing Jonah's redemption in this story. And I don't want to give it away, but Jonah never really gets there. He is so hard-hearted, he never personally believes the gospel message he's sending that ultimately saves a city and that should tell us a little bit that even about ourselves even though god gives second chances and third chances and fourth chances 
there will come a day where you will have your last chance. And if your heart stays hard on that day, there are no more days. Right? There is no heart too hard for God to break. But you have to come to that place of being broken in order to, in order to really receive the gospel. What we have to understand is God is not, guys get this now, God is not your administrative assistant here to help you fulfill your will for your life. God is not your administrative assistant to help you fulfill your will for your life. But we treat him that way, like a genie in the bottle. This is what I want today, Lord. Come on, let me just have this today. Let me, and maybe it's not even a selfish thing. Maybe it's seeing a loved one saved. But if we're not praying it through the lens of God is an almighty sovereign redeemer who is fulfilling his will for the world. That's the message of the word of God. Right? We just get the, we get the blessing of being part of the story. But the story's not about us. And it's not even about the people we love in our lives that we want to see as part of the story. It is about him. And that's what we are seeing through this book of Jonah. If we really believe how we ended last week, Jesus says, when he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, and lo, I am with you. Remember how, remember how he started that little blurb there at the end of the Gospel of Matthew? All authority on heaven and on earth, all authority everywhere, every place, all the time has been given to me. So in that power, go make disciples. And in that power, I will be with you. If we really believe that, we will live much differently than what we're seeing Jonah do today. So look at verse 3. Well, I'm going to pick it up at the end of verse, um, at the end of verse, second half of verse 3. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Verse 4, then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk. So I'm going to stop there for a second. Guys, uh, get, get the, jo- when it says it was a three days walk, it doesn't mean it was a, th- a three day walk for him to get there. It was probably weeks for Jonah from the time he gets vomited out of the fish onto a beach until he gets to what is now more or less modern day Mosul, which Taylor reminded me how to say it because he was actually stationed there, and I probably still said it wrong, in the middle of or in the, in the, in the northern part of what is now Iraq, it was a long journey for Jonah to get there after spending three days in the fish. What it means by three days walk, probably, nobody knows for sure, but probably it means that the city was so large that it would take three days to walk around the entire thing. It would take one day to walk through it. Picture it a lot like the city of Flagstaff. It's probably about the size and population of what Flagstaff is today, if you've been to Flagstaff. So imagine that's, that's where he's going. Now, the difference between Nineveh and Flagstaff is the people that live there. This was a massive ask, admittedly. Go share the gospel with ISIS. Right? This was a huge ask, massive danger. But it is also what, when we step into those moments, it's what, it's what gives us massive blessing as well. Guys, look at what he says, though. This, look, at the, look at the second half of verse 4. He says, And Jonah cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Like I said, did God really need Jonah to go to Nineveh to share that message? This is what he shares. This long journey, everything we've been through for the last two weeks, and, and he travels there, and all he has to say is, 40 days and you're done. Now, the good part is, you know, he's sharing the truth of the judgment of God, and we don't ever want to shy away 
from, you know, we don't ever want to sell the gospel as God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Right? God loves you. God is love. He is also just and righteous and holy. And we got to start without judgment. There's no need for a savior. So we can't skip that part. So, I, so, so in, in a sense, Jonah's doing well. But where's the grace? Like, where's the, where's the, and oh, by the way, there is a God who in heaven who loves you, Ninevites. It's none of that. It's just, you guys are out of here. Why? Because that's his heart towards them. At this point, he's even more bitter than he was before he ran to Tarshish. And, and that bitterness just keeps growing. But I have to reflect on that in my own life. I wrote this in my journal this week. When the preacher appears cold, calculated, hard-hearted, distant, and legalistic, he has failed to taste the grace of God. And even more, he has forgotten his own desperate need for daily grace. Guys, if all we're preaching is turn or burn, if that's all we're preaching, and we're not, and we're not saying it from a heart of brokenness towards those people, then we've missed our own desperate need for grace. But we also have to understand that this was a big ask. Like, this was a hard thing for him. I mean, it is hard for us. It shouldn't be. But part of this fallenness for us is it is hard for us to go to people that we just frankly don't care for and demonstrate the love of Christ. And that's what your table talk question gets to be about. So I'm going to give you five minutes to talk about this. Your table talk question says this. Why is it so hard for us to stay soft-hearted towards those who are not like us? Don't think like us or act like us. Frustrate us or even anger us. I want you guys to talk about why. Like, like guys, get, be real. Be honest. We all, everybody struggles with this. I, except for Jesus. And I don't think any of you are him. So, so because, and, and then the follow-up to that is, how can we better cultivate a heart of grace and demonstrate love towards the very people the above question brings to mind? Guys, Guys, here's the thing. This, this question may feel uncomfortable. It may even seem, I, I don't know, like a little bit trivial to some of you. But, but ultimately, and the reason we're spending three weeks on chapter, in chapter 4 of, of Jonah is because this question is what God is telling us through this book. This is the question God wants Jonah to come to grips with. Jonah, why is it so hard for you to share the very grace you have been given. So take a couple of minutes at your table and, ask, and talk about why is it so hard for you to stay soft-hearted towards those people that you don't like, and then how can you better cultivate grace? Go.
So I was, I was having my table talk time with my brother Frank here that, um, and we were talking about, and he was very, very, I, I loved his transparency and his honesty, and it actually was something that I'm, I'm, I may talk about here in the message. But let me ask you a question, just to kind of bring the conversation, hopefully, and, and, as, and as you, and as you, one, two, three eyes on me, Jesse says. And as you, um, as you have a chance to talk about this, maybe over lunch today, or after, you know, while we're hanging out after the service, or dinner tonight, as a family, but I want you to think about something. Next to Jesus... Who is probably the most grace-centered person in Scripture? And, and I give credit to Frank for bringing this guy up. Who is probably the next, the most grace-centered person in this book next to Jesus? Paul. Like, Paul wrote more about grace than any other person. Why would God pick Paul to write about grace? Because who was Paul before he was Paul? Saul. And what was Saul doing? killing Christians. That man understood, I need grace. So it made him the perfect person to preach about it. Right? And, and what we need, our struggle, and, and they were talking about this a little bit too, is, is in our fallenness, we, we struggle, like, like in, in our heart, guys, honestly, in, in our like little secret parts of our brain that we don't want to share with anybody, including our spouse if we're married, I'm just a little better than those people. Like, yes, I know I need the grace of God. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. I'm not those people. Right? We, we all struggle with that. What I, what I, like when Paul says, and again, Frank's one that brought up the verse, I am chief among sinners. That's not just like, we, we, we say that around here, yeah, I am, I'm chief among sinners, and I say it all the time up here. I don't know that I own it at the level. I know I don't own it at the level Paul did. Like, he really believed it. He really believed that there was a person on the planet that did not deserve the grace of God. It was him. And that's what made him so grace-centered. And so we have to constantly be reminded. Not, not beating ourselves up. Not going, I'm a, I'm a loser. I'm, but going, you know what? Apart from the grace of God, I am those people. So, what does it take to see a soul converted? An opportunity is offered that brings conviction leading to repentance. So look at verse 5 of Jonah 3. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. Wait, really? He shows up and all he says is 40 days and... And, and, the, and a city believes that. How in the world is that possible? Here's how it's possible. It is not in the power of the preacher. It is in the proclamation of God's truth. Right? What this demonstrates is it's not in my ability or somebody's ability to preach or to pray. It is in the power of the word of God. It is why we saturate our service with the word of God. This is where the power is. If, if there's stuff coming out of this space that isn't, isn't this or isn't, at least, or isn't accurately describing this, then, then there's no power there, and you ought to be ignoring it. Ultimately, what happened here is God had already prepared Nineveh. Nineveh was going to repent. Jonah didn't make them do it. Because as Christians, we have to stop seeing the win as souls converted, as souls saved. We need to see the win. Like, we're talking about being missional and being out and making disciples. Because the win is any time you share the truth of God. That's a win. Sharing is the win, not salvation for us. 
Why? Because we don't save anybody. Don't bring people here to get them saved by hearing me preach. Right? Bring them here to see them come to, to see and hear the truth of God in the power of his word and the collective witness of the one another. But ultimately, that's where the power is. And we have to, we have to embrace that. If we're really, because if what we think is, the only, like, I'm really not doing my job of making disciples unless I'm seeing people converted. If you're sharing who Jesus is and what he's done, you are doing your job as a disciple. Right? It's, a, it's the sharing and not the saving we need to see as a win. And then I think we would do a lot more of it. So, ultimately, the power is in, is, is in the fact that the Holy Spirit had already gone to Nineveh long before Jonah and had prepared the soil. So, he could have just about, said just about anything and they were going to repent. Right? Let's pick it up. Let's, let's pick it up in the rest of verse 5 and on. He says... I'm sorry. Yeah, so, okay, so it says, so, the, so here's what happens. They believe God, and they called on a fast of, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. That's just a way of saying the richest to the poorest. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, so this is now the most powerful man in the world at this point. It reaches the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from his covered, that covered, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink. He's, he's even calling the animals to repent. I'm not sure biblically like where that's at, but because um, I sorry to tell you this, but not all dogs go to heaven. But we'll keep going. I just ruined somebody's day. I'm sorry. So it says. So he he calls all, everybody to this 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 like national repentance, and then he says, and then he says this. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. That last, I want to just remind you, so like, guys, our repent, like our saying our, we're sorry does not make God do anything. In other words, God was not obligated to save Nineveh just because they repented. God is not obligated to do anything. But, but as we respond to him, he responds to us. But we don't want to see it like, like I, I love the, this pagan king's like, who knows, maybe God will save us, right? And, 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 and yet I got to step back for a second and go, now wait a second, this world leader was really converted by, a, by that message from that prophet? And the answer is no. There's, no. there's no evidence that he even interacted with Jonah at all. What led him to, to calling for this national repentance? Seeing the Holy Spirit move on his people. Guys, think about that for a second. What moved the king of Nineveh was, ultimately it was the spirit of the living God in his heart. But it wasn't the message of Jonah. It was seeing the gospel go forward in his people. When he saw people like laying down before this God, he's like, what is going on in my world? Guys, and, and I got to back up and, and talk about something that I am admittedly incredibly uncomfortable to talk about and that's politics we don't talk about politics here at cornerstone not because i don't believe world i'm not allowed to i i don't care if the government thinks i'm allowed to say vote for this person or vote for that person they have no business in here and that's why i don't talk about politics 
I don't talk about politics because I want this place to be a safe refuge from a world that's going to get freaky crazy in the next six weeks. But as your shepherd, I am compelled to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in our nation. Guys, we do not elect leaders. Right? The king thought he was the leader. He's not a leader here. The king is following what his people are doing. Now, that was in a kingdom with a king. Guys, we're a representative democracy or a representative republic. Guys, we don't elect leaders. We, we elect representatives. Now, you might stop and say, like me, I, 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 don't, I look at this list of representatives, and I'm not really seeing a whole lot of anything I want representing me. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe, maybe it's not. That's not my point. My point is, guys, the, the, the idea that we are now voting, and I'm talking about at the national level mostly, that we are now voting for a person. This is just Doug talking. All right? As your shepherd, this is just Doug talking. The idea that we are voting for a person is gone. I don't like saying that, but probably like four or five elections ago, we no longer started, we, we're not voting, because this is not about Trump and Hillary or Obama and Romney or Trump and Biden. Or, we don't, that, that day is gone. Right? I don't like, we, we are voting for a philosophy for an ideology, for, for a, for a, I wrote down a couple of words here, um, for a platform, for an agenda. So here's the question. I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to now. There's no, there's no real, it used to be where there was discussion in Washington about things, right? Actual debate, and people would like actually cross the line of, the D to the R and the R to the D because of what was right. Those days are gone. So as much as I don't want to say it, guys, here's the thing. We need to figure out who, which platform most represents God's platform. Now, I spent way more time on this than I wanted to, so I'm just going to wrap it up with this. Because, because here, I say that, and, and we even have provided, that's why on your table... There's a, um, there's a little brochure that has a website about voting, um, honoring God in your voting. I, I would encourage you, there are um, partners at the Center for Arizona po Policy. I would encourage you to go to that, do your research. They have, they have everything from um, why not to vote for Proposition 207, which is the legalization of rec recreational marijuana, which is just a bad idea and unbiblical. Vote no on 207. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Um, I, don't think any, I don't think there's any debating that issue. Right? Biblically. But to say vote biblically in, on a bigger scale, on the national scale, for the president, for that, that's a harder thing. It is. Because it is not as black and white in every issue as, we want, as the pundits want to make it out to be. And so you hear some really good people, Bible-centered people, who are arguing, well, this, you know, the D's, the Democrats have, um, have immigration better figured out than the Republicans. The this people, or the Republicans have um, border security better figure. I, what I don't care what it is. Here, here's what, and they make good biblical arguments. 
again, I'm just going to step, step over here and say, here's the thing for me. It comes down to two issues for me. Biblically. Two issues. Because they're, they are black and white biblically. Marriage. One man, one woman. That's it. And, and guys, and here's the thing. Because, because who really runs our country now is the, judici- is the judiciary, the judges. They, they are legislating from the bench now. We need judges that are going to support a biblical view of marriage. So figure out which platform best supports that. But here's the big one. Abortion. The sanctity of human life. Guys, you might say, wait a minute. You're going to let one issue affect how you vote. Guys, that's not one issue. That's millions of children. I don't care what other platforms are out there. And again, this is just me talking. That issue is enough for me to go, I'm going to find, and right now in our country, there is one side that has clearly said, I will support human life. And there is one side that's clearly said, I won't. And I'm just going to leave that there and move on. Who knows? God may turn and relent. Because this has been an ongoing theme in Scripture, and it is, don't, don't all of a sudden, now we're back in Bible times. No, this is for today. Joel, the prophet Joel, who lived after the prophet Jonah, wrote this, Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of, e- and relenting of evil. Now listen to how similar his words are. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Now to bring it from Bible times back to our time, I want to give you two quotes from two of our leaders in our nation. Thomas Jefferson wrote this, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. And almost a hundred years later, Abraham Lincoln writes this, It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our, nas- confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. So Father, I come to you right now, um, Lord, and, and I want, first I just want to ask that if I said something um, that is not honoring to you, I want to pray that you would supernaturally erase it from the mind of the one who heard it. If it was offensive or, or an affront, but it was the truth. I don't, I don't apologize for that. But Lord, I want to pray, more importantly, that you would help not just us individually and us as a church, but us, as Daniel prayed, us as a, as a city and as a state and as a nation, to turn our hearts back, to, to humble ourselves before the offended power. Lord, I want to pray that you would use the next few weeks, that you would use us in the next few weeks to, to preach a message of peace and life and love in a world of craziness. Lord, and let us stand for you and your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I, I just wish the Lord would come back.
to come back. Ah, but in the meantime, there's work to do, guys. So what's it take to see a soul converted? An opportunity is offered that brings a, a conviction leading to repentance, all made possible by the mercy and grace of God. Okay, before we jump back into the last verse of Jonah, we go into our time of response, I want you to listen to the words of our sovereign redeemer. This is what Jesus said. The men of Nineveh, now remember how evil these people were, right, from a worldly perspective. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Guys, Jesus is the better Jonah. Right? Jesus is the better Jonah. And, and, and he is saying, my message of grace is before you. It's before us today. It's before the world. Right? And it's our job to continue to keep that message before the world in every way we can. Social media platforms, conversations with relatives, convers uh, time with coworkers. Our job is to keep his message of redeeming grace before the world. Look at what happens in verse 10. Chapter 3. When God saw their deeds, they turned from their wicked way, and God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. God saw their deeds. Guys, repentance is visible. Right? When, when John the Baptist says, um, repent for the kingdom of God is near, he right after that says, and, and keep producing fruit consistent with your repentance. Right? It, it is important for us to realize that God for repentance, guys, is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's but God responds, we, we are to come to him, we are to respond to his message of grace, but it is not, he is he does not change because we responded to him. This passage, I, just, I don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but this passage talks a little bit about how, and God relented. Wait a minute, how did God relent? If God knows everything, if God is all-powerful and all-sovereign, why would he change his mind about destroying Nineveh? The answer is because God speaks in that language for our benefit. There's a scene in, in well, he talks to Moses that way. I'm sorry that I chose these people, right? But he's, but he's speaking to Moses that way, for Moses' benefit. There's a scene in, in 1 Samuel 15 where, is that me? There's a scene in 1 Samuel 15 where he says, um, where he says that I am sorry I made Saul king. So wait a minute, did he make a mistake in making Saul king? Of course not. That's just his way of communicating to Samuel that because Saul has changed, he's gone from a man that honored me to a man that dishonored me, I'm done with him. But he goes, but Samuel goes on to say that it is, God does not change his mind in that same passage. He's not a man that he would change his mind. But ultimately, when we change, God will, will move to meet us. And so, I don't know if it's hitting my shirt or what it's doing. But So if, if God cannot be inconsistent, if the people of Nineveh repented and God's like, yeah, I don't really care about that. That would be inconsistent, because we know our God to be a God who loves people who come to him and plead for mercy and grace, right? That would be inconsistent. The only, the only, Saul changed, so God's attitude towards Saul changed. The 
only person in this whole book that doesn't change, and we'll see this next week, in the next few weeks, is actually Jonah. But guys, the bottom line is, repentance, coming to Christ, over, and uh, unto salvation, and then for us to walk with him daily in, in, in his grace, isn't just saying, I'm sorry. It's not even asking for forgiveness. Right? Repentance is moving towards Jesus. Right? The, the difference between feeling sorry that you got caught, like Jonah, and actually moving, and actually real biblical repentance, is which direction you move after that. Are you moving towards Christ? In Isaiah chapter 30, and we're going to go into our time of response here in just a minute with this, it says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. This is God's heart, people. And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. In the New Testament, Peter writes it this way. The Lord is not slow about his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Because God has not changed. But I, I want you to, like, back to that, that, that statement I made earlier about, are there people in the world that don't deserve the grace of God? Well, not according to God. Because in Ezekiel, who lived like 600 years before Christ, 100 years after Jonah, says it this way. Say to them, as I live, this is God talking, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked would turn from his ways and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Repentance is not saying you're sorry. It's not even saying, Lord, please forgive me. It's, it's not even turning from your sin. It is moving towards Christ. That's what repentance is. And so as we take time to prepare our hearts and we respond to what we just heard, I'm going to go back to what Daniel, if you weren't here for the prayer time, Daniel didn't know I was going to do this, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to read where we started our prayer time. Psalm 103. Same psalm that Daniel read through. And I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor. Close your Bibles. Close your eyes. And just listen. Just listen and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Because whether you're sitting here and you have never come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today He wants you to come. But I'm not going to pray a repeat after me prayer. But I'm going to let the living Word breathe life into your dead soul. Maybe you're here today and you know you're His, but you are struggling. I want to let the living Word bring new, grace-filled refreshment to your dried-out spirit. This is the Word of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Lord, I thank you for the testimony we even heard during prayer time of that very thing. Lord, I want to pray that you would remind us of 
of the fact that you don't just heal physically. The greatest miracle we ever see is when you heal someone spiritually. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your, satisfies your years with good things. So let your youth be renewed like the eagle. Lord, I, I do want to pray for renewed strength from our brothers and sisters. Lord, in, in a dry and weary land where there is no rest. Lord, I want to pray that today we would have just spent this time soaking you in. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord compassionate and gracious. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. But he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the loving kindness towards those who fear him. For as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And Lord, as I, as I read that, every time I read that, all I can picture are your hands stretched out on the cross. As far as the east is from the west, you have removed our transgressions. That's what the cross did. You wiped them clean. You don't just sort of cover them up so you can peek at them when you want to be reminded of what we've done wrong. You removed them. You annihilated them. You destroyed them on the cross. So as I think about your son on the cross with his nail-pierced hands, as far as the east is from the west, how much of him is not enough? gave everything. All that he had. So what part of his person in, the, in between those two nail-pierced hands is not enough for me to live in the power and the victory that his sacrifice supplied? Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is now no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is everlasting. It is everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. Lord, I thank You that we are children of the living God. To those who keep His covenant and remember His precepts to do them. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His sovereignty rules over all things. 
trust the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. And bless the Lord, O my soul. So Father, as we respond to you in song and in communion, I just want to pray that we would just taste the sweetness of your grace. That what does it take to see a soul converted? It takes you. It takes a God who unrelentingly pursues and loves us. Lord, let us respond to you as you respond to us in Jesus' name. Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin, I resign. My grace. Precious Redeemer, I save your heart. If ever I love Oh. 
part about this time of communion to me is that it's when we can come together as the body of Christ and be reminded that he gets it. Right? He gets the pain, he gets the hurt, he gets rejection, he gets world conflict, he, he, he understands it. And like no other time in our week do we get to take this time right now and picture our Savior on a cross and say, but He has overcome the world. That the unwavering grace of my sovereign Redeemer is greater than this, whatever this is. as you take the bread put it in your hand it struck me this week that when he's sitting there and, he, and Jesus institutes communion with his followers he takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it and what struck me for me was we're the bread we're the body of Christ. He blesses us. He will often break us. And then he will give us to a world that needs to taste him. Take the bread. But then the other thing that he struck me with was when he takes the cup, he blesses the cup. But he doesn't break it. Why? Because he's the cup. Right? His blood poured out for the redemption of sin covers his body, us. So let's taste and see that the Lord is good. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you for the truth that your grace is a pursuing grace and it is greater than whatever is going on in my life or in the world or in the, in the struggles of, of just trying to live out your mission. Your grace is greater still. But I pray that as we continue to worship you, not only the rest of today, but this week, we would look back to the cross early and often. 
we would hear it say to us, I love you. Now go and tell the world what I've done for you. And I pray that it would all be done for the glory and the fame of your name. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, you guys want to stand and sing with us? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you lay down your life, that I would be set free, done for me who brings our chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun and all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross
Praise the Lord, we're having our 10th annual retreat, October 17th and 18th. I mean, obviously that's something that you think to get excited about, but obviously it's like the first thing we've done all year, right? So <laughs> let's get signed up for it. Um, if you are curious about shirt sizes, I know every year my family is like, oh, the shirt's too small or too big. There are samples of shirts in the back that Heather will be back there with you and she can let you check them out. Also, the registration forms really need to be filled out. So Jeff had asked if you would please fill those out and make sure you get them to Jeff or Tina. That'd be great. Our D group reading plans, uh, be sure you have that. Um, the groups have started already. Um, and even if you're not in a group of some kind, start your reading and see what the spirit does as we all journey together with Jesus. To help you with the daily walk with Jesus, sign up for the In the Word today. I know it blesses me and my family quite often. Often I'll come downstairs, get my cup of coffee, and I'll forget my piece of paper, so I'll just pull it up on my phone really quick, and I have it right there. Next week, the message is on refusing to see and share the grace of God. Jonah 4, 1 through 4, in our sending passage, Peter 5, 6 through 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Praise the Lord. All right, you guys are dismissed. <laughs>